Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from the suburbs of New York City in an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Emergency podcast that I'd rather not be doing. Andrew Gunling, J.J. Devaney. What is up, brother? Not much is up. A lot of down, Andrew. A lot of down tonight in Panama City. The U.S. are defeated tonight in World Cup qualifying to Panama. 1-0, your final, a lone second-half goal off a corner kick. Uh, and that was, uh, that for obviously, we are covering the American perspective of this. Some people need reminding of that, as I saw in our mentions earlier. Um, boy, that was a rough watch. That was first-half Honduras for 90 minutes. Um that was maybe some things that the U.S. has been able to get by with catching up with them tonight, which we'll we'll talk about. Um, and it is also a sign that we should never play another competitive match on October 10th again. This was, of course, the four-year anniversary of the fateful night against Trinidad. Just brutal. Just absolutely brutal. One of those games where you're kind of just waiting and thinking, okay, well, they're going to wake up at some point. I mean, like, it can't be like this for 90 minutes. And it just, you know, maybe when Brendan Aronson came on in the second half, you got a little bit of that energy that he is so good at providing, but not, I mean, just nothing, just nothing. Andrew, they stank. They just stank from the beginning of the game to the end. Um, I said on the last podcast and you call me unprofessional, I don't, I said, I didn't think I'd, I'd written so few notes at this one. I have nothing that I can point to, to say, Oh, that was good. That was a move that showed some good combinations. There's the midfield functioning. Look at that good piece to play playing out of the back. It all stank heavy first touches passing to the opposition, getting caught on the counter. Uh, just, just rubbish. And not a single shot on target in 97 minutes against Panama. Unacceptable. Yeah, the zero shots on target tell one story, but sometimes shots on target don't always tell the story. You know, sometimes you have chances that don't technically register as a shot on target. No, there was like nothing. No, I can't go fishing or searching for any moment in this game where I kind of like inched forward on my couch a little bit in like mm-hmm. anticipation. Maybe you no. did a bit of inching on three minutes with the header from Walker Zimmerman. Okay, sure. A, it was, but a tiny bit of inching. Yeah. Uh, okay, fine. Yes, I'll, I will grant you that, that I centimetered my way up on the couch when that happened. But really nothing. Um, you know, I, I kind of was sifting through some of the postgame material afterwards. Um, I have not heard very much of Greg Berhalter's postgame, but what I have heard so far, he um, – he went in on the midfield and, you know, some people may blame him partially for it. We'll I mean, talk he about, picked it. We'll talk about team selections, but um, yeah, we can say what we want about his selections for it. We have, we have come to expect more from those players. Um, you know, we saw flashes from Yunus Musa, who was uh, taken off after 45 minutes tonight. You know, he was bad too. No, I mean, overrunning the ball, running into blind alleys, 
Right. When I say we saw flashes, I mean like in their last game. I don't mean tonight in the first 45 minutes. I, right. I mean, okay. generally speaking, we've seen him and we've come to expect, like when you see his name on the team sheet, you don't think what's he doing there? You know, like that's, we expect more from him. Um, you know, Kellen Acosta, he, he falls into that MLS category where there's always going to be fans when they see certain names on a team sheet, they raise their eyebrows, but he, he's someone that we hadn't been speaking negatively of. I think a lot of fans had been coming around on him and I'm not going to write him off after one performance, but not good tonight. Just not good giveaways. You know, that's kind of my indelible memories from this game are some, you know, Acosta giveaways in the middle of the pitch that sprung counterattacks the other way. Um, you know, Bearhalter talked about just that midfield was not up to it tonight. And, you know, that, that is certainly part of it, but that is not, that is not the whole story. There were failures all over the place in this one. Uh, Nate Scott tweeted this out, which I, I found amusing in the midst of the horror of watching this game. The early knock on Bearhalter was that he was too rigid a tactician. So I think it's pretty brave that he came out for this game with no tactics at all. I, I mean, there was, there was, you couldn't see a plan. No. You couldn't see a plan. There were seven changes to the lineup. So, yeah. When you make that kind of massive change to your team, when you essentially gut your side like that and bring in all these pieces, like, for example, Walker Zimmerman and McKenzie have played, I think I saw 34 minutes together in that position in total for the U.S. men's national team. So they come together tonight. Bello and Shaq Moore come in to, I guess, offer with, do fullbacks, they we did not get enough from the fullback position tonight. We we did not. Um, we did the midfield was the shocking wasteland. Like you can go in on Tim Weah, who was the invisible man out there, and Jossie Zardes, who was a punching bag for for supporters anyway. Paul Ariola, that kind of attacking triumvirate, if you want to call it that. Uh, Paul Carr tweeted this. The U.S. Men's National Team midfield trio, Acosta, Leggett, and Musa, completed 11 passes to each other in the first half. Against Jamaica, the midfield three, Adams, McKenney, and Musa, completed 36 passes to each other in the first half. This, I mean, the midfield was non-existent. It was like... a barren wasteland, devoid of any creativity... But more than that, they couldn't get on the ball and get just string a move together. Just settle it down. You often hear um, the old school managers when the side has just conceded a goal or something, you know, they're trying to settle into the game. Just get your foot on it and put four or five passes together. Settle into a rhythm. There was no rhythm. There was was nothing. Joseph Lowry on Twitter made a, a good point about uh, some of the passing from the back four. You know, in a bearhalter side, you want to be able to pass through the units, pass, pass it out from defense and, and work it into the midfield, create things from the back. And their inability to do that was, was striking tonight. It, just everything. It was, it was rubbish. It was just rubbish. It, none of it worked. And it's one that they've got to put behind them quickly. Yeah, they really do. I mean, they can't afford, you know, Bearhalter talked after the first win in this current triumvirate of matches about how, you know, if we, if we, I forget the exact wording he used, but something to the effect of if we think we're 
you know, hot S and go come out with that mentality against Panama, we'll get our ass kicked. And I've been trying to think, was tonight about, did they, did the U S play poorly tonight because there was complacency? I don't, I don't necessarily think so. You know, especially because so many of those players weren't guys who played in that Jamaica match the other night that were getting all this praise. Um, so I don't know if that was it. I, I, I'm having a hard time putting my finger on exactly what would cause this team to play so poorly. Maybe they were a little bit surprised by the adrenaline with which Panama came out from early on and kind of was able to sustain that for much of the match. Um, but, you know, Panama won this game and deservedly so, but it's not like it, it wasn't like they were peppering Turner with chance after chance after chance. They, you know, they weren't they weren't unbelievable. They just were better than the U.S. were, certainly. They were firing, the, firing away the more dangerous side, the more likely side. Yes. I mean, the crispness of the Panama passing, the ability for them to link up and create triangles and move the ball was pretty good. You know, it was everything we couldn't do. But you're right. It wasn't like the Alamo. They didn't lay siege to the goal. But I mean, that's that's even more of an indictment of this U.S. side. Yes, correct. Uh, another one um, was, uh, and again, I was flicking at Joseph Lowry's Twitter because he's, he's very good. People should take a look at him from a tactic standpoint. Um, Panama were able to s- disrupt our back four playing out by pressing two of their forwards. I thought we were better on the ball than this. I thought we were capable of working these things out and be crisp and incisive in our passing and move the ball and and possess the ball. This team, now, Bearhalter said in the summer that he would know from the Gold Cup if a lot of these guys were capable to be relied on in, in the World Cup qualifying. And, and I think me and you maybe fell into that trap a little bit of believing that they would be based on that Gold Cup run. Meh. Maybe not the run, but certainly the final. Well, look, we weren't crazy. I mean, some of those uh, we guys... Were, had, we were wrong. Well, not, we'd be proven, not, not on all fronts. We've been proven. We, we Matt talked. Turner and Miles Robinson are two of the best players on this team. We're talking about the goalkeeper there, Andrew. I, I, I have no... Turner, I'm saying we, we looked at certain Gold Cup performers and thought, yeah, these guys can do a job. And I, we well, were well, wrong across the board. Let's take, for example, what we thought of Kellen Acosta. I think we thought we, we thought too much of Kellen Acosta in the summer, and um, he came unstuck tonight. Uh, just just not up to it. McKenzie, who I didn't really rate from the summer's play anyway, not sure he's up to it either. Um, Leget, just I, I, I'm not Sebastian Leget. I think has done a good job when he's played for this team. I'm not going to let tonight him being invisible. Everyone was invisible tonight. Tim Weah was invisible tonight. I forgot he was playing. I actually forgot. At yeah. one point in the first half, I said, who's the other guy up front? <laughs> it was him. It did, I mean, so like now what you could say is I didn't expect a situation maybe where all of these guys would be playing together. Right. And again, that goes back to the conversation about team selection. And look, in this sport, there is no there is no greater example of Monday morning quarterbacking that goes on than talking about team selection after a match has happened. Uh, but it's part of it. And I think a lot of people's eyebrows were raised when they saw this group, the seven changes that were made. Um, Can I ask you though, Andrew, about the general approach? So before I saw the team tonight, I thought key players being hooked after an hour or 70 minutes against Jamaica was to rest them because they were going to start against Panama. Right. That was my view. 
they were going to conserve them. Right, job done against Jamaica. Next big job is on the road in Panama City. These guys are going to start. I mean, look at the bench. Serginio Des, Tyler Adams, uh, Christian Roldan, Brendan Aronson, Miles Robinson. I mean, Ricardo Pepe, Matthew Hopp, uh, DeAndre Yedlin. Like, Yeah, look, there were certain limitations. Obviously, we know Pulisic, Reyna, not with this team. Weston McKinney out with an injury, so he's now not available. Tyler Adams, Brendan Aronson were on the bench. But uh, Anthony Robinson, of course, didn't travel because of COVID-19 restrictions right. in Britain. Uh, so, you know, there were some limitations, but I, I was still um, I was still surprised that Tyler Adams did not start this game. I was surprised that Ricardo Pepe did not start this game. Um, I understand that there is a challenge, a unique challenge that this manager and all international managers are having to deal with right now with this three intense matches in a seven day span. I get it. Um, but it, uh, it didn't, it didn't leave me any less surprised. I was still surprised that there were certain names. Not I, there. Th- I, I thought the plan was, was in taking those players off was to have them fresher or as fresh as they possibly could be after getting the job done against Jamaica and that they would start in Panama. That was my perception. And I was completely wrong. And uh, Bearhalter clearly thought that the guys, the second string, could come in and handle this Panamanian team, and they just could not. So that is the question that only Bearhalter can answer, that we'll never really know the answer to, is, I, I know how I feel about this, but there will be people who think that he didn't heed his own advice about taking you know every every game as seriously as you possibly can, that he played a weakened squad tonight because he thought this was one that the U.S. could win. I don't buy that for a second. Uh, if there are people out there on Twitter or wherever that are kind of pushing that notion, you can blame Bearhalter for a lot of things, but I, I genuinely don't believe that he is taking any opponent lightly, especially this one, a road opponent uh, against a team that qualified for the last World Cup. I just, to me... Um, Again, you can have your criticisms of, of the lineup tonight. I'm sure Bearhalter had his reasons. I look forward to reading about, you know, and hearing about what those were because he'll have to answer for it. Um, but I, I genuinely, truly don't believe that he took the opposition seriously. To me, that's not that's not a criticism that I that I would buy. I mean, okay. Uh, he obviously thought that this was a team that was good enough to get the job done and they just were so far off it. It was scary tonight. It, it really was terrible. I mean, again, I'm looking at my notes, Andrew. I'm looking for the positives. I'm looking for the combination play. I'm looking for where a point in the game where we looked like we were seriously on the front foot. I mean, it just, it just wasn't there. Nah, I got nothing. Honestly, like, no. I had in terms of positive, the only positive I can give you was a play that didn't even count. Matt Turner made one of the saves of, of the tournament so far of qualifying thus far on a, on a attempt that wound up being flagged for offside. So it wouldn't have mattered, but when he stuck that right hand out and just stopped that ball dead in its tracks in a, in a one V one situation, that was, I mean, that was amazing. Um, but again, offside wouldn't have counted. Didn't matter. Yeah, Matt Turner was good. I would say. Uh, I know you are putting some blame on him for that goal. I don't. He got I'm not he got involved. Really. Uh, well, look, it, it was classic. Uh, what what Panama did was stick, have a guy stand in front of the goalkeeper on an in swinger. By the way, that's another thing. The quality of the Panama corners tonight, they they whipped in. Like there was two in the first half. Almost had a back to back Olympicos. Yeah, one where Turner actually. Um, 
Brianna Scurry was on the post-match on Paramount and she kind of suggested that she didn't think Turner did very well with the one that he, he tipped over or tipped mm. around the post on the first corner. I thought that was excellent. And then the second one nearly whipped in from the other side. Uh, but the viciousness of those corner kicks, we couldn't do that at all tonight. I mean, we barely had any corners. Did we have a corner? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we did. Walker's in. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. No, well, I, we... I remember. I mean, I can find the stats on how many, but I, I remember a lot of them. Now, I, I get where you're coming from. They didn't they do weren't. anything. So the, the Panama had seven corners. The U.S. had six. Oh, okay. And yeah, I mean, they were they were fairly non-threatening. They weren't memorable anyway. I couldn't remember any. Um, just wasteland of creativity. But yeah, so the the on the Panamanian goal, I don't know why Zard is, is attacking the ball at that angle. I thought he'd be coming from the post and trying to head out as opposed to almost attacking it like he was trying to score. Um, I'm not going to blame him, but uh, I thought Turner got too involved with the Panamanian defender. And I mean, he was nowhere when it came to it, uh, but it was a great corner kick. It really was. Uh, it was a night of the, the patented old Spursy Andy inswinger, which you just love. It's the only way to go. Yeah. The only way to go. JJ, while we're talking about the goalkeeping a little bit, one of the great crimes of tonight, I don't know how like financial distribution goes with international teams, but if Luis Mejia of Panama made money tonight, then he should he should be escorted to prison immediately. He stole money from the Panamanian Soccer Federation. Uh, he had nothing to do. No, like that, really nothing. No, that was the equivalent of the appearance fee. You just turned up. You were just there. You signed your name in and you got your check. It's a good gig if you can get it. Nothing to do. Did he go full stretch at any point? Um, Maybe he made a jump on the Zimmerman header. Yeah, he jumped. He did jump. Um, Late on, a ball was deflected. He caught it and then fell to the ground. Classic Uh, style. But other than that, we are uh, one of those nights. Um, Yeah, I, I know... I know our Twitter was lit up with with rage tweets, which I fully understand. Um, yeah, I, I I feel I feel that as well. It's again, even with that squad that they put out there, it's not it's just not what I would have expected. We've talked a lot. You know, I don't know if you and I have to take our medicine at some point here. We're not the only two who think this. Jeff Carlisle talked about it with us. Yeah. You know, I am of the belief still, even after tonight, that we had gotten to a certain point with our depth where we could be without certain players and still put but in a, a representative performance. I, I know what you're saying. Can we just let's just park the depth conversation for a second and just look at the shape and team structure and cohesiveness. It's hard to make all those changes. It's hard to throw these guys together, even if they train together in camp for two weeks or three weeks or a month or whatever, it's tricky to go and do those things. And he literally gutted the side and brought it in a completely new team. And it didn't work. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the things that I was thinking about as this game was going on is on a night like this in a tough environment like that, when you clearly, when this team is just like, you could tell early on, they just don't got it like it was gonna be you could see uh there was part of me that was like okay it wasn't great first half against jamaica you know i felt good after that but like there were no goals so maybe 
you know, maybe it's a similar situation. This team has yet to score a first half goal in, in this cycle of World Cup qualifying. So, you know, maybe that's going to be one of those nights again. It wasn't, and you could feel that. Uh, so it felt like one of those nights where not having Pulisic really mattered. You know, we can talk about depth, but there are, there are going to be certain games whether it be internationally, domestically, whatever, there are going to be certain games when your team doesn't have it and you kind of have to lean here and there on your superstar. You know, Pulisic is somebody who can create something from absolutely nothing. We see him dribble by guys. We see him get in the box and he's slippery and he gets fouled for penalties. Tonight was a night more than any that I can remember in recent U.S. soccer memory where not having him, to me, really mattered and really hurt them. He had a rough day. He was there supporting in London, supporting his New York Jets. By the way, when did that happen? He, uh, isn't he an Eagles fan? No, he's been a Jets fan all his life, apparently. I respect it so much. I could have sworn he was an Eagles fan. No. I saw that too, and it shattered me. Uh, Why though? Why would it shatter you? It's, it's just weird. It just did, all right? Deal with it. I was shattered. I the, was the utterly Jets shattered. Jets have never shattered you. Except when you have to talk about no, them on, on radio. He, the Jets didn't shatter me. His support. I, I really believed that he was an Eagles fan. He's from not far from Philadelphia. Mm. I, I feel like I've seen him. Like I've literally seen him tweet during Eagles games. I'm not sure. making that up. Whatever. Well, he was, this is he, not important. He was How, in the full Jets. Why did you take me down I, this road? I know. I'm sorry. He was in the full Jets gear anyway today. So, and apparently he's been a Jets fan. Now, again, I'm going on the, the comments of, of the Twitterati. I'm going to need fan to hear from him on this. Yeah, yeah. Well, but do do you agree though with my? I mean, I'm not even mentioning Gio Reyna not playing Weston McKinney. To me, it's like Pulisic is the one that I look to to, to be able to create an attack yeah. himself. I, and, I felt, and they didn't have anyone who could do that tonight. I felt good when I saw Aronson coming in, but it was a bit much to expect him to get into the pace of that game when when the tide like Panama had started to be very very comfortable by the middle of the second half, and I thought that's a tough game to come in and, and really wrestle this because it needed a leader. It needed a talisman to shake this up. I said, if they were going to get back into the game, it was a moment of individual brilliance because there was no team player to be had. So it was going to take a, a world strike from, from 40 yards, or it was going to take a dribble or something like that to unlock Panama and turn the ship around. And it, it didn't happen uh, on the broadcast. The post game was, was interesting. Uh, Clint Dempsey, Iguchi Onyewu, uh were kind of, well, Dempsey in particular, Iguchi Onyewu was quite analytical, whereas Dempsey was visibly annoyed. And one of the things that came up was energy. He said that, and again, I am paraphrasing, the, the tenor of what Dempsey was saying is, you can have bad games, you can have games where things aren't clicking, where the passes aren't going to feet, where they're not, you know, it's just not working. But there's no excuse for not rolling up your sleeves and digging your way into a game. And that was the thing that seemed to annoy him was the lack of energy. And the one thing that I liked about the Jamaica game, which, I mean, Jamaica were terrible. Now we know the full extent maybe of, of, of that. Maybe. Of that performance but um, again that was a different u.s team though was a different u.s team and what was different really was the intensity from the get-go i at the end of that half even though it was zero zero i tweeted out i thought that was a good half we didn't take create a ton of chances mm -hmm. but there was a lot of ball possession 
there was a lot of intensity. There was a lot of getting on the front foot and trying to take the game to the opposition. You saw none of that tonight. No. And I can't account for a team going out and playing with that lack of lack of purpose, lack of energy, lack of intensity. Intensity is the word. Um, I'm I, thought, wa- I, mean, I, I thought in talking about that, I don't know if this is a sign of intensity, energy or what, but at a certain point in this game, it, it, it spiraled into a series of long balls with no yeah. purpose to them. Um, you know, no one really making a run to get to these things, just like kind of a, a wing and a prayer. Let me just smash this because nothing else is working. That sort of thing. I saw a lot of, again, this kind of speaks a little bit more to the midfield because they were the main culprits. Legit, certainly, I can remember, um, you know, the initiative of being direct. Like we talked about that with Wea last against Jamaica when he came on as a sub directness players making runs trying to get forward and attack it felt like there were so many backwards balls in this game you know just no one really trying to make that run to cut through the Panamanian defense and then just turn and midfielders maybe run I mean I'd have to go back honestly and rewatch and really like look for it in a way that I'm I wasn't in real time because I'm sure runs probably were being made and midfielders you know Bearhalter was scathing in his critique I'm sure he saw that midfielders were not turning and looking and making the pass. And instead, you know, balls were being played back to defense and ultimately back to Turner and then smashed for a long ball that just led to lost possession. It just felt like that in particular to me was on repeat all throughout this game. And it was just torture to watch. Yeah. And the second half, there was a series of bobbling, you know, classic CONCACAF pinball. The ball is flying around in the midfield and I'm just screaming, can one of our players put their foot on it, control it, trap it and pass it? Didn't happen. I I don't know how many times the ball seemed to just come off Acosta's shin or another midfielder's shin and just run away from them. It, It was one of those games where at the end of it, you're like, what did I watch? What did I just see here? Because it was, it was shapeless. Um, on the energy thing, Andrew, uh, I, I've told people that I'm watching what we do in the shadows. And the story of that is that there are three 700-year-old vampires who are, you know, when you're a vampire, you get turned into one. You stay the age that you are when you're a vampire. They're living in a house together in Staten Island in New York. It's very, very funny. But the one wrinkle in the story is that their roommate is a guy called Colin Robinson. <laughs> just Colin Robinson. Just They're a dude? All- just like a dude. Okay. And his deal is he's an energy vampire. So he, he works in some boring office in Staten Island and he lives by sucking the energy out of people. So he'll come into a room and he'll go, oh, you're, you're drinking coffee there. I remember drinking coffee from uh, from Panama, actually, uh, in 1974. And, and, and that coffee was really, really ground. And the beans, you know, the way they do the beans. In All right. Panama? Point made. Point made. There's a Colin Robinson in that locker room. There is someone in that locker room. I hope it's not the manager who is the Colin Robinson, who is draining this side of its energy and its zest and its verve and its youth. That's what I've come up with. I mean, they're not usually like this. No. Well, what? Why? Well, actually, I say that maybe they have been more than they haven't been. You know, yeah. for the first three in those first three games, two and a half of them were rough. The last half against Honduras kind of saved it, and then that momentum rode into the first game against Jamaica. But really, outside of, of half of against Honduras and 90 against a bad Jamaican side, 
maybe there is an energy vampire in there. Wayne's- I'll say this though, and I'm not impl- I'm not implicating this guy as the that person at all in any way, shape, or form. But uh, the other day's designated havoc wreaker, Paul Ariola, did not do those things tonight. No, no. And if you are willing to give uh, the boy uh, legit a pass because you usually find him good, and and in fairness, he's he can be neat and tidy. Uh, we'll let's do the same for Ariola then. If we're going mm-hmm. to extend oh, yeah. the amnesty, no, again, um, they were all bad. Yeah, everyone. This is a shared. This is a group effort. All right, you don't put in a performance like that. JJ was the, the zero shots on target that we talked about. It's the first time since against Mexico in 2013. There's been a lot of bad U.S. performances between 2013 and tonight, but they all had at least one shot on target. Good lord! Only the second loss ever for the U.S. against Panama, and the first one ever there. The, uh, the other loss, I believe it was in 2011, uh, the U.S. lost in, in Tampa to Panama. If we are being brutally honest, and if we go back over all the games, say, from let's just do this year's games from January, and I'm including A and B teams together, I'm not differentiating, mm-hmm. and we look at the summer tournaments, there's not been a great discernible run of games where you go and you think well they played well in that game back to back and that game you know there's a lot of you know there have been you're right you're right and that's a hard thing to face because we love this team yeah and you know two hours ago we felt good about them um but you're right when you take a step back you know like there's been individual good results yes. along the way that have felt good the and two felt finals. like progress was moving forward. But you're right. Like there hasn't been I mean, now there has not been an extended run of dominance. However, the U S I believe had been unbeaten in 13 straight yeah. until tonight. So it's, it's kind of tricky to determine that balance. Like I'm seeing, you know, I did see one DM that we got, straight after this one calling for bear halter's job um i'm not you know me i'm usually when it comes to firing managers for better or worse i'm usually late to the party uh, i'm somebody who who typically places m- maybe more blame on players than a lot of other people do um so i'm not like to me you know i'm just not there with the fire bear halter stuff i i that Firing him is problematic. First of all, the standings still have us uh, five games played in second, three points behind Mexico. I mean, it's tight. Canada on seven points, Costa Rica on six in fifth position, Canada fourth, Panama three, us two. It is tight, but it is kind of forgiving. And you can see, I can certainly see where the U.S. will pick up point, enough points at home to get the job done. No, well, that's that's the hope, and like that's the thing. This is the, you know, generally, I, I you may roll your eyes and laugh at this. I do feel like I'm generally somewhat upbeat, positive, um, <laughs> but I I do look at you know the last cycle of World Cup qualifying changed me in that I now view these games differently. They're not just wins and losses. They're also picking up opportunities to allow yourself to slip up somewhere else. And if you win on the road against Panama, you've given yourself leeway to potentially lose at home against Mexico, which could very well happen. Mexico, I believe, even with the U.S.'s recent success against Mexico over the summer, like 
Mexico might still be better than this U.S. team. Uh, I mean, you know, if, if our best 11 are out there, I'll expect us to beat Mexico at home, and I'll expect us to get a point on the road, quite frankly. Um, but can we rely on having our best 11? Like, is that even a thing that's that's possible? And it may not be for them either. So we'll no. cross that bridge when we get there. But right. like when you when you lose some of these games, um, you know, when you you know don't pick up three points at home, like the U.S., like what happened to the U.S. in the first three, uh, you know, you you give up some of those opportunities to build a cushion. So you better make damn sure that you win those home games that you're talking about later on. Yeah. Now, of course. We've got Costa Rica on Wednesday night in Ohio. And it's not it's not the Costa Rica of 2014. It's not the Costa Rica of 2017 who scuppered our chances in New Jersey on that fateful night, which really was the night that that was the night. That when was when sh- alarm bells started really. Oh, they were chiming, yeah. chiming hard. Um, so there's an opportunity immediately to put this right. It's there. And but Costa Rica, you know, they're not they're not out of the mix either at the moment. Um, so it's another tricky one and another one he's he has to get it right now on Wednesday. If if the, if there's a draw, Andrew, or a, a, I, I this is it too strong to say this is a must win? Um just for not not even for the mathematics of it, but the the overall impression as we leave this window. Like if there's only one win in of, of these three games, Jamaica, Panama away, you know, Jamaica home, Panama away, Costa Rica home. Like if there's only one win in that, and it's against the bottom side in in the group. What what's the perception then? Do you know before the November window? I mean, it's hard for me to call it a must-win simply because, like, it's not the way it operates. I mean, it's it'll be match six of a fourteen-match cycle. Um, still a lot of opportunity. You know, the U.S. aren't buried if they lose it. They it, they may fall out of the top three, mm-hmm. um, but they you know they won't necessarily be buried. So. Like I get your point. It will be again if just if they, the mood. I'm talking. If, about oh yeah, the mood. The mood will be. The mood will be dark. Uh, yeah, and, and the fire bear halter chorus will be loud. And maybe I mean we'll see how it goes. I don't want to be fatalistic just yet. The game hasn't even happened yet. But if it's another performance that looks like the one tonight, and it happens at home, and the U.S. lose, then yeah, I, I'm I'm not gonna try. I'm not gonna silence those people. Because uh, your want, next game is Mexico, right? And that's. No, you need to have some kind of a bounce going into that. Yeah, I mean, look for that. We'll we'll talk about those next three later on. There's another yeah. time for that, but presumably the U.S. will have, like I talked about, some of those other key players: Pulisic, hopefully Reyna. You know, hopefully they'll have those guys available, um, and they'll and players who were poor tonight will learn from this. I mean, I guess we'll have to see. You know, guy, it's funny. Like Gianluca Buzio is playing really well right now at Venezia. Like you don't think the midfield could have used him tonight? I mean, it's uh, honestly again that's hindsight stuff. But it's not. But why is it hindsight, Andrew? I, 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 I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that it's not working. This is a guy who's good on the ball. He might go in there, and again, it, we we needed a flash of individual brilliance because as a system we weren't functioning. Why why not give him a run? 
I don't, I don't understand. I looked at that bench and I just thought, why didn't he make changes at half? Like, just, well, he did. But make a raft of changes. Well, Change. I mean, Aronson and Adams, that's significant. Yeah. That's that's significant. Yeah, I suppose. I, I, it just didn't it didn't really change much. No, it didn't do anything. It didn't do anything. It was too hard to to kind of wrestle the momentum of the of the game. Yeah. <sighs> Rough one. Rough one tonight. I am in no way implying that this had anything to do with the outcome. I'm just simply pointing out that um this one did get very concacafy near the end. Uh, I would say between uh, if I do go back and and subject myself to the torture of rewatching this game, which I might, uh, I'm going to actually I'm going to try to keep a stop clock, a stopwatch. Maybe one of our listeners, if they want to do this, will we'll shout them out and give them props. I want to know how much soccer, actual soccer was played from minute 80 to minute 90 in that 10 minute window. If it's more than three and a half minutes, I think I'd be surprised. I think it was a great advertisement for deep. Uh, muscle tissue massage okay. and stretching and, and cramps. And, and I mean, one guy just whipped his boot off, took his boot off and decided I'm done. I'm going to lie here for a while. Yeah. And then it got even more concacafy in stoppage time when just like rogue people are on the field. Yeah. Uh, ball boys are either choosing to not throw balls to American players, or they're suddenly two to three balls just out of nowhere on the pitch. Um, but even, I, I, even with the multiple stoppages of security, having to track down fans running onto the field during that seven minute stoppage time period, uh, the match was still ended at six minutes and 58 seconds into stoppage time. <laughs> again, these are not excuses. Again, the US are losing that game. I'm just pointing out that like we're funny, weird stuff sometimes happens. This is from uh, Matt Turner. After the match, um, I'm reading here at ESPN's match report. Uh, the ball boys didn't help occasionally throwing multiple balls onto the pitch after one went out of bounds. Here's Turner. Uh, I had like two or three. I was just trying to get them off the field as quickly as I could. I didn't want the game to stop anymore. People running on the field. The ball boys were throwing, kicking the balls onto the field as high as they could. And I was just trying to keep chaos off the field as much as I could and keep our momentum going. Uh, I like so their stadium. It was, it was wacky. It was a wacky finish to a, a dour night. I like the stadium there. Uh, yeah, me too. I got to be honest with you. I don't see, I haven't seen a single reason why CONCACAF couldn't have trained up some uh, video assistant referees or, or hired them or, or done something and had the technology in stadium for that to be available. VAR? Yeah. It makes no sense. No sense. This could have been rolled out. The excuses that, that CONCACAF had, which we never really got into, but I read some of them, and they, they talked in logistical terms about how hard it would have been. I, I'm just not I'm buying it. No, no, I'm not buying it either. I don't know what their actual reasons are, uh, but no, there's no, there's no reason. There's no reason for it. And that wasn't that never came into play tonight. There was no moment tonight where I was like, oh, go to VAR, go to VAR. There wasn't, but... Against Jamaica, there was. Multiple. Sure, moments. but there, but there was, not tonight. No. no, this was a this was a deserved defeat. For but it's crazy. It really is crazy to me that Ireland are playing Azerbaijan in Baku, and a potential penalty check on Matt Doherty is the right decision is given. It's not a penalty. You can clearly see it on the replay, and the referee has a quick look, and that's it. And the U.S. are. And, and Panama are trying to qualify for the same tournament, but no, there's different rules being Crazy. applied. 
Crazy to me. Not good enough. No. Total ridiculousness. That's my new phrase, I think. I hope that goes on uh, the Reddit caught offside bingo. Not good enough. If that's on the bingo board, I can promise that one gets said at least once a show. Me saying not good enough. Definitely. Yeah. I got to do better than that. Do you know what I mean, though? Not good enough is a catch-all phrase. It shows my disdain, my disgust, but it doesn't offer a whole lot, does it? Uh, no, there are there, there's no solutions offered. Just complaining, whining, just tiresome, know. the same old thing. I don't yeah. whine, do I? Not good enough. I don't know. Yeah, What's that? It's a bit whiny. It's a bit demandy. Yeah, maybe I need to figure that one out. I'm sorry, Andrew. There's There's nothing good to say about tonight. No, this is a uh, bury. I mean, for the fans, at least that this is a bury the tape kind of game. I would hope that Bearhalter and that coaching staff studies it. Um, But if you're a fan, this is just like, you know, one of those. Thank God we have a game on Wednesday type of nights. For sure. And 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 in a way, that is a really that's a really good thing, because if that was the last game, you know, before everybody goes away on such a downer and they all go back to their clubs. And there's this thing festering until the next break. Here's your chance now in front of your home crowd in Columbus. Go and put in a performance and put out a full team or as full as you can possibly get it against uh, Costa Rica. And really, you know, wipe the slate clean with this one. Like it'll, I be said, inter- it'll be interesting to see who what the 11 is on Wednesday. Uh, I don't know. You know. My gut is to say it should be what it was against Jamaica. But I don't know what Weston McKinney's status is if he is if he's going to be deemed out. If he was too hurt to play tonight, maybe that will still be the case on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I would say that's that's likely. I don't Can know it be the nature. It has to be. Has to be. I mean, it, it, look, you went so far as to call this. I don't know that I fully agreed, but you won't be alone in thinking that it's a must win. And what did we just say on the podcast the other night? In any game of any import from here on out, Pepe's he has to be your your number nine. He has to be your striker. I, so. I, I just feel at the, at, you know, at the risk of overstating it, I just feel for the energy of the, of the, of the mood and the, and the perception of this team, a good performance and a win is needed on Wednesday to, to, to just close the chapter on, on, this, uh, on this window. Yeah. You can't go out like this. No, like, no, I, you know, you're right. I hear you. Um, I, I wonder, too, about, you know, fullbacks, it's got to be Robinson and Dest. Anything aside from that would shock me. Uh, center back, Miles Robinson, I'm sure slots back in. I hope, you know, Walker Zimmerman has played well. I know he got, you know, we thought Pepe was the star the other night, but I saw Bearhalter gave Zimmerman the match ball uh, after that one. Mm. It was really complimentary of the job that he did. Sure. Uh, he's, he's now played in both of these. Is he going to be able to give you these three in, uh, in a week? One of which, you know, on the road coming back now to Ohio. I, I hope, I think Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman look good next to each other. So, um, you know, I, that's what I would want to see. But we'll have Bearhalter knows, uh, Bearhalter knows better than us what sort of, you know, fitness levels he's got left in Zimmerman. Maybe he played him tonight knowing that he wasn't going to give him all three and it's going to be Miles Robinson and Chris Richards, uh, McKenzie. Maybe he'll go the last. I don't know. I'm, I'm genuinely curious. This this team is nothing if not unpredictable, so we will we will sit and wait like the rest of you um, in nervous anticipation. Yeah, suddenly it takes on a different hue, a different color. I mean, all these qualifiers we said they're important. This is what it's all been building toward, and the fact that there's three in quick succession definitely heightens the tension. But the tension goes into overdrive after a performance like that. Yeah, now it's really. 
now it's mood music, Andrew. It's it's Hans Zimmer. It's 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 real kind of cinematic stuff. Big win, big performance needed Wednesday night. Uh, I don't have much else on this one, my friend. I don't know if you do. No, I do not. Uh, there were some other results, though, in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying of, of note, Andrew. Yesterday, Andrew, uh, Mexico, they dispatched Honduras 3-0. Uh, Costa Rica had a win against El Salvador, 2-1. Uh, Jamaica and Canada, they played a nil-nil, which feels like an unsatisfactory result for the Canadians. They are still very much alive in this qualification campaign. But, but it's, a, it's a road point, though. It is a road point. That is a good point. But yeah, maybe maybe that one is just one you mark down as a, as a good point. Remember, they don't have to win this thing. They just have to finish top three or even four. You're correct. You're correct. And uh, yeah, those were those were the results of note. Um, and of course, Panama beating the United States. Did you mention Mexico 3-0? Yes, I did. Mexico okay. over Honduras 3-0. Yeah, so the standings are Mexico at the top after five games with 11 points. The USA after, after them in second on eight points. Panama now on eight points. And Canada on seven in fourth, Costa Rica six, uh, in fifth with six points, El Salvador sixth with five, and Honduras and Jamaica three points and two points, respectively. Jamaica bottom. I don't, I honestly didn't think that's where they'd be, um, but Jamaica are where they are. And I suppose, like you said, it's a road point for Canada. So that's a good result. A lot of our Canadian listeners have been in touch. They are very excited. Andrew. They should be. I think they should be too. Um, this is a good side. This is a well-coached team in the best position they've been in a long, long time. And like you said, they don't have to finish top. But um, it's going to be... It's, that could be the story. You know, we could have put all this behind us. Mexico and the USA could be home and hosed, hopefully, fingers crossed. And it's going to be so interesting to, to watch Canada as a nation, as a soccer nation, either take that step or, or fall short again. But there'll be drama somewhere for someone. Yeah, there always is. Um, it's never straightforward. That's one thing about CONCACAF. It never seems totally straightforward. No, well, sometimes. It used to it kind of felt like it. I mean, there are always twists and turns. You're right. And it's maybe never... not for the US. Maybe it was straightforward up until the last. Yeah, I think what happened, you know, four years ago has, has reshaped our perspective a little bit. But even, you know, when I was younger, I, I definitely remember twists and turns and feeling nervous at certain moments. But, you know, in the end, Mexico, the United States, they found a way through. Now we know that that's that is not a certainty. Uh, last bit for me, I guess, looking ahead to the next match, if I'm Bearhalter, um, you know, if I'm a player on this team, I think they really need to emphasize a strong early start. They're going to have the crowd behind them. This, you know, inability to find a first half goal, uh, you know, this waiting for things to come to life in the second half, it bit them tonight. And, you know, Costa Rica is, is not a pushover of an opponent. Uh, so I would really emphasize starting on the front foot and trying to sustain that level of play for the first 45 minutes, uh, rather than just waiting for it to happen, um, with, with some kind of spirited locker room team talk for the second half. I think they've got us, they've got to start strong. I agree with you. And and the intensity that was there in that first 15, 20 minutes against Jamaica has to be, has to be there against Costa Rica. And, um, 
And also just, just finding the patterns of play, getting the passes, stringing, you know, grow into a game and, you know, build into a game with confidence. Pressing is going to be important too. All those things. And people are going to be listening to this and, and, and say, that is just the basics. Well, they weren't there tonight. Yeah. None of it was there tonight, so we have to see it on Wednesday. That's about all I got. We will certainly be back with a, uh, an emergency podcast following the U.S.'s upcoming match against Costa Rica. Uh, JJ, I was going to watch that one in studio at the Caught Offside Towers. I don't know if you're going to join me. Maybe we'll have a nice meal together while we watch, or if uh, you'll be from, the, uh, from your luxurious Brooklyn apartment. What are you thinking? No, I was, I was thinking I was going to join you in studio. We oh, could, yeah. uh, could break bread. Like I would love men. to. There's there's an, one of my favorite food trucks in New York City. I've discovered it across Ooh. the street from my office. It's phenomenal. Uh, rice, falafel. It's like a falafel platter. Hot sauce, all Ooh. kinds of different sauces on it. It's right right up my alley. Uh, I think I think we should both go for it. Oh, I'll do that. You got to get your your hot sauce to white sauce ratio correct. They nail it every time. Yeah, you won't regret it. There's some there's some amazing food trucks. Uh, in this city you can you can dine very well oh yeah uh along the streets in new york yeah definitely nice. let's do that man i'll bring nice. a bottle of wine oh wow this is beautiful maybe we'll light a candle there's no need for that all right all right don't well, think about it just think right. about it you rodney call- will run in though and probably blow it out and say it's some kind of fire hazard and uh, unacceptable yeah, uh, is Rodney yeah gonna- all right we'll end on this positive note something to look forward to for uh for the middle of the week is rodney or colin robinson uh yep yes all right well this was a podcast that happened uh we'll be back with another one midweek following what is hopefully a more celebratory podcast jj enjoy the rest of your night uh to you i say check you later fun boy i'll see you take care you've been listening to the caught offside soccer podcast 